Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of London Calling, our very own property podcast brought to you by Corico Professional Mortgage Advisors at www.corico.co.uk. My name is Andrew Montlake, although you can call me Monty, and I shall be your host to guide you through and investigate the very latest in the world of mortgages, property, and the general financial world. This is London Calling. Since the last episode, we have had the latest instalment of Chancellor George Osborne's budget, which confirmed the additional 3% stamp duty tax for second properties in the latest attempt to stop, or slow down at the very least, the growing buy-to-let market. There was no leeway given to those buying more than 15 properties, and there was also no escape for those buying property in a company name. With landlords still engaged in potential legal action against the cuts to mortgage interest relief, as well as a further report by the Prudential Regulation Authorities on proposals for lenders on how they should be underwriting buy-to-let mortgages, landlords can be forgiven for feeling just a little bit battered and bruised. Surely there can't be any more beatings to come. Meanwhile, we still have the EU and possible Brexit vote to contend with, casting a shadow of uncertainty on the housing market. To discuss all of this and much more, we are honoured to have a leading voice in the housing and rental market, property expert Kate Faulkner. Not only does Kate run the excellent propertychecklists.co.uk website, but she presents and chairs at industry conferences such as RESI, National Housing Federation Annual Conference, Financial Services Expo, etc. She's written 11 property books, including four for the Consumer Association, which and is regularly all over the media on programmes such as BBC Breakfast News, Your Money, GMTV, ITV, Radio 4, Radio 5 Lives, the list is endless. Kate's mission, in her own words, is whether you are buying, selling, renting, letting, investing, building or just redecorating, I want to help you. Welcome, Kate. Thank you very much. Nice introduction. There you go. I, I wrote that I've this never morning. Been, I've never been honoured before. <laughs> You're, well, everyone's honoured in your presence. <laughs> go on with it. There's, there's not much that uh, that you don't know about. I think property. that's uh, that's overrated. <laughs> anyway, welcome. Thank so, you. first off, then tell me and, and everyone about a bit more about you and your mission. So what, what's an average Kate Faulkner day? Or is there Ooh, an I'm like to know that's an average Kate Faulkner day and night. <laughs> you don't, you don't read, write 11 books without... <laughs> without well, certainly if you need sleep, book writing isn't something you do because most of that gets done throughout the night. But um, basically, I, I... So my background is sales and marketing. Right. Um, that's what I used to do. It used to be for big companies. So uh, I'm afraid if you've eaten chicken tonight... That was my last big and launch really? for Unilever. That was you. Yeah, yeah, that was sure. me. Uh, so um, what, I, what I was doing, though, behind the scenes was so I'd work all day as a big sales and marketing executive, and then at night I would go home to a floor that I would sleep on as I was updating my latest house project. <laughs> right, OK. And basically I kind of thought, why does everybody get so stressed about buying and selling houses? Oh, I love it. It's fantastic. Fitted everything. I was good at negotiating, good at project management. I like getting my hands dirty and plaster (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. Proper jack of all trades. Yeah, and a real master of none. (laughs) And that continues. So I then just thought, do you know what? There's so much I can do with these brands. And I work with some amazing brands. But at the end of the day, I just got bored with the whole thing and thought, do you know what? I want to make a difference. 
I love everything to do with property. Everybody else gets stressed about it. As a one-woman mission, <laughs> I am going to change the world. And that was probably my worst financial decision ever because it's been a long, old haul. But I have to say, I've met a lot of fantastic people. Mm. I've had a lot of fun. And slowly but surely, I think we're making quite a difference in the market. So um, so how long's Property Checklist itself been going then, Kate? Well, that's been going about three years. And it was born out of um, going to shows and trying to understand what people wanted. And uh, actually, one of those books, we produced the first time by a book and a buy-to-let book and everything. And... Um, People didn't want to pay for them. They wanted them free of charge. (laughs) But I wanted to eat. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. But in the books, there were loads of checklists. And people said, can't I just have a copy of that checklist? I thought, well, actually, we produce a cycle property checklist. That makes sense. It's all about education. Everything to do with property is doing it in the right order, the right steps. Most importantly, choosing the right company Mm. or expert to work with. Um, And I thought, well, if people paid a little bit of money to sponsor or support the admin of a checklist and everything that'll work as a model um and that's really where it all came from very good it's uh yeah it's a good site check it out uh propertychecklist.co.uk i believe that's right um so buy to let you've you've got involved in uh in this uh, a lot over the over the years um and it's come in for a fair amount of criticism do you think it's all it's all justified. Are landlords to blame for the so-called housing crisis? Do you know what? I think government and local authorities are absolutely getting away with the battering that is deserved at this moment. And it is all being turned on landlords and letting yeah. agents, actually, because it's not just landlords that are coming in right. for it. And the reason is we have a housing crisis, not everywhere, but at certain parts of the market. And if, as the government did and it's successive it's all the government so it doesn't matter kind of what colour they were but if you decide in the late 80s that you don't really want to support social housing you're going to sell a ton of council houses off and you're going to build a private rented sector but you're not going to let letting agents or landlords be regulated Mm. so imagine an unregulated education system or NHS and then what you're not going to do is despite the fact you've got a population growth you're not actually going to build enough houses. Yeah. Well, that's just an absolute recipe mm. for disaster. And landlords and letting agents, in my view, are being blamed for lots of things which actually come down to there is a lack of stock. Yeah. That's not their fault. And there is a huge lack of proper regulation of the lettings industry. So, you know, can you imagine, Andrew, you and I setting up a letting agent tomorrow? <laughs> Don't know about your admin. Mine's, mine's rubbish. Uh, it's not great, to be fair. <laughs> I, I wouldn't trust myself with it. And so anybody can set themselves up. If you abide by the law, you've got to charge 10 to 15% commission to make money. If you don't abide by the law, you only have to charge a landlord as a letting agent 5%. Yeah. So landlords obviously want to go with the 5% gang, but mm. most of them don't abide mm. by the law when letting a property. So we've landlords and letting agents, I'd say 70, 80% of them are doing a grand job. Um, and even in where it's affordable, helping sort of almost becoming social workers to some extent, helping yeah. tenants who have been pushed into this sector. 25% of the sec- of the private rented sector, people are on benefits. There's really one and, one and a half million people plus who are on council waiting lists. Yeah. And we're not building enough social homes and we're continuing to sell off council homes. Yeah. We have a stock problem. That's what a housing crisis is, particularly at the end of the market where people are on benefits or low income. Yeah. That's not landlord's fault. Mm. That's not the letting agent's fault. That's government, local authorities. Um, and I think they're being blamed far too much. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so no government has really got the, the housing 
market right <laughs> over the past, as you say, of, of any colour, probably, well, the last big housing push was sort of after the war, wasn't it? Be- before Nothing, us. Before, before <laughs> us. Just before yeah, us. just before <laughs> us. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so... Uh, and and then we've we've seen all these these latest changes come into play. Um, so you've got the additional three percent stamp duty, the reduction in the amount you can offset rental income against mortgage interest, and the change in the wear and tear allowance. What what effect is is that all having? Is that is that um, going to have the effect the government wants? Well, it hasn't so far. I was kind of weird effect. So, so far, all that's done is um, brought forward quite a lot of buy-to-let purchases in the Mm. marketplace. And the market is brilliantly buoyant at the moment. So it's managed to push up house prices for everybody. Absolute genius. That was not the plan long term. (laughs) Obviously, that might change. But also, interestingly, because so much stocks come on the market, um, there are reports now of some rents coming down. So that also doesn't help landlords. But my take on all the taxes is basically the um, 3% stamp duty kind of don't worry about that so much. It's tax deductible the other end. Yeah. This is a 15 to 20 year investment. Yeah. So I know it's a pain to have to find that extra money, but do you know what? If um, other parties had got in in the last election, they were looking at matching capital gains tax to income tax. Mm. So the fact you're paying a 3% extra stamp duty, you've kind of got away lightly versus other policies that yeah. could be here. Yeah. Mortgage interest relief, massive problem. Yeah, for the that simple, seems to be the key That one. is the big problem. And I'm not sure everybody's run the numbers yet. Yeah. And I am saying to people time and time again, if you are a landlord, for goodness sake, please go and get your costs reviewed. Your mortgage is the most important. Go to, to if you've got a good letting agent, mm. understand the implications. It might be five years away by the time you lose all of that relief, but you could be going into negative cash flow. Mm. So really important to look at that. The wear and tear, I don't think that matters quite so much at the end of the day. You can still claim back what you're spending. So um, apart from the mortgage interest relief, I think we kind of have to take take it Mm. on the chin really the example i give you if you're in the um take you know it's not just this sector that's getting hit um if you're an airline you've now got to refund tickets if you're three hours late and it doesn't matter how much you paid for them you still got to give them 300 euros well you know that's that's hurting that industry so that kind of thing happens and i think actually that that's not so bad but Mm. the mortgage interest relief that could turn people's cash flow into negative and it could make people unprofitable so they have to sell up. Mm. A lot of landlords are over 55. Most landlords are over 55. That is their, That was or is their pension income. Mm. One thing governments should never touch, pension income. Yeah. And that's what they might actually be a, end up hitting. Yeah, I read something about that actually. I think it was yesterday. I can't remember yeah. which publication they're saying actually a lot of a lot of um, people who are retiring are, are relying on the income from their their buy to let mortgage and, and once that starts to yeah to disappear big, that's going to be a big issue. The problem we have is certainly the, the PRS private rental sector is starting to become a political football. Yeah, that's when markets start seriously getting damaged, and actually the big losers out of all of this are tenants. Mm. The Savills estimate you've got a million new homes required for people to rent in the future. Um, and if they're going to put a dampener on buy-to-let, well, where are they going to come from? Yeah. What I'm really frustrated at is that they've created a, a great idea, which is build to rent for seriously big institutional investors, which we desperately need. We do need that. It would be good for good landlords as well. Um, but what they haven't done is where's the mini buy sort of build to rent? Yes. Where's yeah. the where's the investment in the guys that could build two houses, five yeah. houses, ten houses locally? 
which might be all that village or all that extra that postcode needs to provide the rental homes that yeah. are required. You get your capital growth uplift. You don't have to worry about 3% if you're building. Um, and you can build a house that's really good for rental with tremendously low maintenance costs. So you don't have gas, for example, you have electrical heating, good insulation, etc. So low bills for tenants. So that's what I'm really frustrated at is it, they've, all that has done is rob Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. And that'll never work. Yeah. It's interesting, really, because we've... we've we seem to be in this whole, everyone's talking about this new generation rent. Yeah, uh, as if it's we, a bad we, thing. We, yeah, exactly. But we've, we've talked about it before where actually the, uh, people's whole way of thinking about things are, are changing. The new yeah, generation, they, they don't, they rent everything these days. You lease your car, you download yeah. CDs, you don't own them. Yeah. Uh, and renting property is just the next step. But sure. But the government seem to be ignoring that fact and trying to push everyone into home ownership, yeah. whether they want it or not. And what everybody's um, not realised is when you use averages, which I hate in the property market, they just don't work from an individual's perspective and they mask a lot of what's actually happening out there. So parents will say to kids, oh, you must buy, you must buy, because it's dead money renting. Yeah. Well, you take expensive areas like Oxford, for example, we looked at a £400,000 property there. All it would buy you is a two-bed terrace. Right. So not actually far off London yeah, prices, to yeah. be honest. Um, so if you bought that with a temp, just a 10% deposit, you'd need 50 grand in your back pocket. Your um, mortgage on that at a reasonable rate would be about £1,600 repayment every single month. And the interest, the dead money to the lender, would be 1200 quid. You rent that property, it's 1150 Mm. So it's 50 quid cheaper a month. Yeah. You don't have to find 50 grand. Somebody else pays all the maintenance, which if you're moving in with someone and you don't know if you're going to love yeah, them for absolutely. the rest of your life yeah. or you're just working in Oxford because actually you're off to Cambridge in the next two years, then you're off to New York, mm. then you're off somewhere else. Yeah. You know, this idea that renting is a bad thing and the idea from the past, because prices go up so much faster, almost double the rate of rents, Actually, renting is no more dead money now mm. than a high loan to value mortgage. So we so we've seen um we've seen this uh, uh, action group challenge the uh, or, or trying to go through the courts yeah. to challenge the changes. Do you do you think that's a wise thing? You... I don't blame them for challenging it, but I don't think I would have challenged a Tory government using a legal company. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, yeah. It <laughs> with, was unfortunate with a Labour yeah. <laughs> lead, past yeah, Labour leader's yeah. wife involved. Because <laughs> I can see there's a bit. Everybody's going to want to fight it. I'd yeah. have chosen George's best mate. <laughs> it's legal company. So yeah, they can't lose. The they cherry, can't lose. Can they? No. That what you know? It's yeah. like what were they thinking? You know, it's not as if there aren't quite a few legal companies. <laughs> out there <laughs> i do think there is there is something to be said that because you're not allowed to deduct really the the mortgage interest relief if understood it right off the off the rent now that's what's causing the serious trouble mm. um and of course you can do that with any business so it's almost saying buy to let isn't a business anymore and yeah. that's a big mistake um, because i keep telling everybody it is a business so it doesn't help me much <laughs> in trying to educate people to research and put their business plan forward etc yeah um so i just don't think they Sadly, I don't think you really understand the the damage that that that, that could potentially cause. And uh, are you seeing more people um, still looking when they when they're asking you for advice on buy to lets? Are they still looking for? Is it for pension income, or is it? Are they still looking for? Actually, they think that buy to let is a they can make a quick buck. 
Um, I think the quick buck has started to realise that that's kind of gone. Mm. I worry a little bit. I think there's almost two ways. There's there's two views, and it depends where you come from. So your neck of the woods down south, down here, um, you know, it's capital growth, really. The income's never been great. So mm. if you're looking at 5% yield, you'd be very, very lucky you'd to make lucky money moment, out of yeah. that, yeah. quite frankly. Um, but you come up to where I am in Nottingham and you're like 7% yield. And I, th- I worry that people down south will get very excited about that. But, you know... We haven't had capital growth for many of the buy-to-lets for mm. about 10 years now. Right, okay. So you take off inflation. You put £100,000 cash particularly into a property in 2003, for example, it's probably worth, in real terms, £85,000. Right. So it is possible. You can, you can get anything out of property. The beauty is, is you gear it. Yeah. So what on earth 30% yeah. of people are doing holding it with cash? I've no idea. Yeah. But the point is, with buy-to-let now, and I think this is the big difference... In the past, before 2004, just because the way the market was going, you could buy anything and it would go up in price dramatically. Since that time, 2005 onwards, massive regional differences, Mm. massive differences from one street to another, massive difference from one property type to another. Mm. So now if you're going into buy-to-let, you've got to research that area like the back of your hand. You've got to really understand and be clear on what your objectives are. You must build capital growth in from the day you buy it because there's no guarantee it's there for the future. Yeah. We're into new new, new times now, and affordability, I think, is starting to be stretched a little mm. bit, even from bank and mum and dad intervention. So I think you've got to be much smarter, but I also have to say anybody looking at buy-to-let now, because the government has switched benefits, if you like, and made it more beneficial yeah. to invest your money elsewhere... I find people love a property deal, but they forget to take the financial mm. advice. And they're almost doing property because they don't like financial advisors. And in the meantime, shooting themselves in the foot and potentially attracting huge amounts of tax um, yeah. hits and not taking advantage of the tax benefits that they could. Yeah, it's interesting. So um, um, what advice so is good advice there for people thinking about it? What, what other advice would you give someone who's who's thinking about getting into into buy-to-let, becoming a landlord? Sure. My The main thing is, I'm afraid, it's all about the tax and the legals. Yeah. It's not sexy. <laughs> it's it's not about going searching on, on portals or mm. going find a property and going, hey, look what I bought and that's mine or in the auctions or wherever. It is all about understanding the tax and legal implications that it's going to affect you. And you should not be moving on a property until you do that. When you then do, it's still possible to make money. You always will in property. But you've got to understand what your objective is. Is it income or capital growth? Yeah. Then you've got to make a choice of which tenant type is going to deliver that. And then you've got to work out how are you going to keep up with 145 letting rules and regulations <laughs> I was going to ask you, you about are now that. Yeah. strapped by. <laughs> and in my view, um, I'd, I, I could if I really wanted to investigate those and keep them all in my head and then make sure I listened every single day to what they were saying in Parliament or what was coming out to understand what's changed because it's changing and then there's interpretations Mm. and then there's challenges and different interpretations. So you've got to make sure um, not all letting agents take as much care as others. You've got to make sure you've got a RICS, NALS or ALA agent or you belong to a landlord agent a scheme which you might have your local authority might do one or you've got things like the residential landlord association yeah you cannot do this on your own a lot mm. of people used to invest in property stick their head in the, in the sand have got away with it that's gone now yeah you need a great team you need a good broker yeah you know really good broker you need a good agent who understands how buy to let works and won't just sell you anything um 
excellent tax person and some way of keeping up with legals. Yeah, we you, we get we have a lot of clients who phone in saying, "I think oh, I'm thinking about getting into buy to let. Where, where's the next best area to to invest?" Oh, in? I love that that's, one. That's I've the got, best question. I've got a brilliant answer for you because I get that at the at the uh, property investment show I usually go to in London. So I go. There are 32 boroughs in London. It takes me two weeks to investigate every single London borough. By the time that I finished, my information will be out of date. <laughs> That's it. They all they disappear often. Because <laughs> the point is there isn't an expert. No, thing. exactly. It, we know, always say actually stick I've always said to people stick with, with the areas you know, what you yeah, understand, yeah. rather than looking for the next Absolutely. big thing. Because it's the, so difficult. Yeah. Unlike kind of things like stocks and shares, when you're looking at property, there's a, if you know that area, the way you where you win is you know that area like your back of your hand. Mm. So you know a deal when it comes up. And it might just be the agent's messed up on the photographs. Right. Biggest yeah. thing, you know, I used to buy and sell um with a with a part exchange company about hundred properties a year. Right. And we used to know exactly why that property hasn't sold. And one great example was it was a beautiful looking property on the outside. But inside, when I went in, it was like dark. I mean, talk it was a Victorian terrace. <laughs> right. I mean, it was literally, I should have had one of those torches <laughs> that you go down caves on. <laughs> Stanner stairlift, dust everywhere. This really? place hadn't been touched for 50 years. So what they were doing, they were inviting in people who wanted a, a ready-made house yeah. that was beautiful to walk into because of the picture on the outside. But then you walked in and it was a wreck. Mm. And it needed like £75,000 spending on it. So the wrong pictures had yeah. meant that they had to go down the Partex route. Yeah. So it's incredible. It does. It does happen. But also then, you know, shop in November. Even property investors go like Christmas. So I always buy properties in November. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Actually, I've bought both my properties in, uh, in you November. Go. You took my advice. That was just by chance. No, you took my advice. <laughs> just advice, subliminally. subliminally. It was just working its way through. <laughs> um, and then just finally on this then, is, is there anything people should steer clear of? We... Um, we had the good old property clubs and oh, uh, don't, get don't, rich quick schemes. Don't get are, they, are they still around? I'm starting to hear that a couple are coming back again. All I know is one thing I will never be called is a guru because for the last 15, 16 years, <laughs> I've just seen them all crash and burn. Yeah. I'm sticking at expert level and I ain't going any <laughs> further. So the, the problem is, is that these people, they make their money and they might have done quite well but they're often highly entrepreneurial, mm. highly risk-taking. And as a result, they don't expect the market ever to crash. Yeah. And there's a few have survived the crash, but then you hear other stories that they're not running their businesses necessarily um, in a way that means that they're doing their due diligence. So, what, for example, any any company that you give money to, even a good agent will have something called client money protection. So you mm. give them your rent and that rent is insured. I don't think any property investment club or or group should be allowed to take people's money without having it protected because often they go bust when they start using that money because they've, they've, they've run out of cash themselves yeah. and they're then funneling it off. Um, and I've had several instances of that. So get rich quick schemes, forget it. You just need to know the area. Take two weeks off work. You don't need to spend money on thousands of pounds sourcing or mm. get a good agent that gets by to leg, mm. get a good broker, get a good tax expert by your side, somebody to help you with the legals. You don't need anything else. None of it's rocket science. Buy at a discount, add some value, let it legally, make sure that 
the rent, and this is the biggest tip, is higher than your costs. Yeah. The biggest buy-to-let <laughs> secret is now out, and it costs you nothing. There you go. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, how to make money from buy to let um do you think there's enough um actually i was going to stop there but i won't i'll ask this question do, do you think there's enough protection for for tenants from from rogue landlords should should landlords actually have to get qualifications or well it's really interesting because we'll kind of know the answer to that if you if you ask me back in a year's time also, I'll be able to tell you because I've introduced that in Wales. Right, so okay. by November next year, uh, sorry, this year, November this year, 2016, um, all you can buy a property and you can find a tenant yourself as a landlord, but legally you cannot let it out unless it's by a um, agent such as Nails, Ricks or Arla. Right, okay. Or you have been on a course and have been accredited. Ah, okay. That's interesting. So that's really interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. My worry at the moment is the licensing has been uh, up and running in Scotland for a long, for quite some time, but I don't think it's having a great effect because what it's even their own um, data and evidence said it's not helped with the bad landlords. Mm. So the problem with licensing is all the good guys go for it, but all the bad guys. Mm. Don't go for it, no yeah. surprise. So Newham Council have introduced it, um, and I think they had something like 33,000 guys licensed, which is a huge number. Wow. But the numbers that have been prosecuted, and it's hard work to prosecute, which yeah. is a shame. You're talking 300, 350, so tiny numbers. Yeah. Um, and I think we've got to do... Licensing only works with, good reg, with great enforcement. Mm. And I think if you're running a licensing scheme, I'd rather... It's more... To me, it's too much stick than carrot. There are too many licensing schemes, different mm. boroughs, different local authorities. So, um, and I'm not convinced there is the evidence there that it works. I'd love it. I'd jump at it straight away if mm. I thought it made the difference. But only good guys join. So you're still yeah, left with the true. bad guys. Yeah. And we've got to work out how to deal with the bad guys. And I think that's down to tenant education. Yeah. So one of the things we're working on is how can we educate the tenants not to take the bad properties how can we educate the tenant on their rights and who's the right group mm. and who are the people that can do that mm. and do that well? So that's some of the work we're doing at the moment mm. behind the scenes. That's really interesting. You've also got the reverse of that, of course, where, and uh, actually, well, I've had, I had one buy to let in my time and it, it it rented very nicely for four years. Yeah. Had a lovely young lady who very selfishly found a boyfriend and decided <laughs> to move out. And then I had a disaster and, and oh, no. came back with the police standing at my door and the house wrecked and oh, etc. So, so is, is there enough protection for the good landlords against the, against the bad tenants? I... I think that 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 has actually stabilised itself quite well. Mm. And to be fair to the government, although they've introduced some quite stringent rules and regulations on um, how you, whether you can evict a tenant or not, one of the things they have done is they have made it slightly easier to evict in that you don't have to do it on a certain date. And as long as you've looked after that property, you should get an, an eviction um, of a bad tenant. Um, they are It's part of doing business yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. So I kind of budget on a one in five tenants will go wrong. And you might get lucky and it might be one in yeah. 10. You might get unlucky and it might be two in the first five. So all about referencing, all about not doing a property check, but going round um, at the end of the first month, then a three-month check on that property. Yeah. And you're going in there, much for your own uh, knowledge, is is there anything I need to fix? Mm. Is the tenant happy? Has clearly somebody else moved in 
Yeah. Um, or have they decided to open a dog's home? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> that's I had a lot getting of your... suspicious looking stolen goods <laughs> in mine. Oh, my word. <laughs> well, we had the same thing. We had a tenant and she appeared fine to start off with. Um, but um, then getting on with your neighbours is really good. So um, we'd actually lived in this property and then we'd rented it out. First tenant, absolutely fantastic. Second tenant, upset all of our neighbours, parties at the weekends and everything. Um, And um, we therefore had to give a notice um, pretty much straight away. But it was all done. I do it all through an agent, you know, or somebody like Landlord Action because I wouldn't try and even attempt and I think that's what landlords one thing I love about landlords is that they are successful normally because they've been quite good with their money but people who are quite good with their money have another trait which is they don't like to spend it <laughs> so they tend to try and think oh well, I'll yeah. do that eviction myself don't ever do an eviction yourself no. give that to somebody else you do not want to risk being get, not getting that person out quickly mm. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Just a reminder, you're listening to London Calling, the property podcast from Corico Professional Mortgage Brokers. Um, Right. Kate, let's let's change tact a little bit. Sorry, I'm trying to do two things at once. Concentrate on one thing. Um, (laughs) But you're a fellow and it just went bad. It just doesn't work, does it? Help to Buy London was a a latest episode in the great Help to Buy franchise. Has this and schemes like it actually worked and you know we touched on does the government know what they're doing generally yeah i actually think the there's a lot of criticism that helped to buy scheme oh it's going to increase price it's going to do that well actually it was massive failure in london i remember um watching question time there's one of the mps on there go yeah it's absolute disgrace it's increased prices in my borough and i looked up how many help to buy properties have been sold in the in that person's borough five (laughs) So in London, it was a complete disaster mm. because even 20% help here when you're looking at a price of yes. 300,000. The problem we've got in London is people need to be able to buy a below quarter of a million and 200,000. And yeah. that's pretty impossible in, mm. in, in the first few zones. Having said that, in areas like the East Midlands, where I'm from, Yorkshire and Humber, it's been highly successful. And the reason why it was so clever was it actually turned the whole market not just the first-time buyer market. So you had George Osborne go and announce the help to buy. And up until then, nobody was going out to look. And nobody believed you could get a 5% yeah, deposit. That's right. And you'll, well, you you'll yeah. remember that there was actually a lot of building <clears throat> societies that had survived who were doing 5% mm. deposits who couldn't give their money away pretty much mm. at that time. So the actual sh- sheer announcement of the idea of help to buy got people out mm. to the agents. We saw it really turn the market. Um, and in London, it never worked at all. But in other areas, not only did it work from getting everybody out to buy, um, which was great, and that started to arrest the market and and, um, start to see little increases. Um, The other thing that it's done is it's given security to to the builders. Yeah. So the problem the developers have is that, again, they're often as criticised as much as letting agents and landlords, but actually their problem is they're only, they can only do their job if the economy is doing well. Yeah. What this has given them and gave them and gave their shareholders was an assurance that if they built, they built properties, yeah. that demand would be there mm. almost whether there was another economic crash or not because yeah. people do still need to put a roof yeah, over their head. Yeah. So from that perspective, I think that was a great scheme. I particularly love the help to buy ISA yeah. because for me, or mostly the media and most companies are just telling people out there, first-time buyers, don't bother buying. 
You've got to find all these tens of thousands of pounds for deposits. You'll never be able to afford a mm. property. And what 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 tenants and what youngsters have heard is don't bother saving. Mm. And that is a disaster because loads of people could get on the ladder around the rest of the country. Yeah. You know, I know London's tough, um, but it it just is. It's just ridiculous that that we've turned people off saving, turned people off the idea of buying. Um, and so I love the help to buy ISA. I think that's a great idea. It's brilliant to give um, young people their tax back effectively, yeah. which is what they're getting. Yeah. So um, I think that's a great idea. Um, I'm not sure that the what I, I'm slightly nervous of, be interested in your opinion, is taking on the new help to buy scheme for London, which feels like an enormous amount of debt. And I look at that versus shared ownership, which you can get a lot of here. And I kind of think in my head, I'd be plumbing, plumping for shared ownership. That helped to buy 40% instead of a 20% loan. Plus that that just feels like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. It's um, yeah, it's interesting. We we thought we'd be deluged with inquiries really? on it. But I, I don't think we've really seen that, that, is interesting. that much. Yeah, that it. is interesting. Um, we know anecdotally that there's a there's a lot of you know you, you have a new build development then you know they they're queuing down the streets yeah. still, so so there there is that need for it. Um, but I think in London people are thinking actually, do you know what? I get a forty percent loan, interest free for five years, and then most people in London don't stay in their first property for longer yeah. than that anyway. Yeah. So then they're thinking, well, okay, property prices will undoubtedly stay the same or, or yeah, go up because yeah. supply yeah, and demand course. um so i think they think it's 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 a good idea i don't think i don't think they're phased by the 40 percent as a as a no, large that's amount interesting. yeah i don't think they're phased by maybe that. it's because yeah maybe it's because i'm not here and it just feels yeah it feels uh, like a it, lot it does but in you know the, the average you know our average mortgage loan as as corico is, yeah. is four hundred and ten thousand. yeah, yeah. Um, so it's they're borrowing a lot of money anyway. Yeah, I think the average so council mortgage lends it's about two hundred and ninety mm. ninety odd thousand for the average first time buyer, which is an awful lot of money. Yeah. And I think that's where the problem is: is that actually the number of people, those that want to get on the ladder, are getting on the ladder. The ones that are suffering, I think, are people that are actually on their own. Yes. And I think we forget there's a lot more people trying to buy on their own now than there ever was in the 90s, yeah. 80s, 70s. Yeah. And, of course, that halves your <laughs> ability to be able to afford a property, mm. and we've kind of forgotten that bit, really. Um, but um, I'll be interested to see if the if the new version works. But for me, I think I'd I'd be plumping for shared ownership. Mm. And and so you mentioned outside of London, very, very, very different. What's Completely it, what's different. It, what well, does it feel like out, outside the markets generally? To be honest, because... Um, our prices are going up, so Midlands really upwards. You're looking at maybe four or five percent price increases, mm. and also you're looking at we haven't recovered yet to our 2008 heights, right? In many areas across the country, so yes, the south, uh, southeast, west, London's recovered, and London's kind of gone beyond. But from the Midlands upwards, I mean, the northeast, you're still looking at 25 percent down mm. in eight years, yeah. So, property's pretty cheap. Um, and I think what, again, with the help to buy, what it's done is it's brought people out and it's got first-time buyers buying again. But I still think we're missing a whole load of people that just don't believe they can afford to buy because they hear what the, they hear in the media. Yeah. That's still an unbelievably London-led in, in, mm. in the property market. Um, and, um, you know, also, I actually think people like renting. Mm. Yeah. 
I think you're you right. You know, I, do I, think you're right. I yeah. just think they like the lifestyle um, and they don't necessarily want to save hard for three, four years um, to actually get on the ladder. Yeah. So I think there is a different culture there. Um, and I think we'll start seeing that. But um, we're still looking at quite a healthy first-time buyer balance, I think, now, which is good because you need that to move mm. the market forward. That's, yeah. that's pretty important, particularly if buy select's going to drop a little. Um, so um, I think that um, you can – I think that Midlands, above Wales, Scotland, if you want to get on the market now, you can. Um, and it's almost – you know, you, you've got to look at your local stats, though, and not believe what you're kind of told nationally. Mm. Um and then a, a couple of questions that more more generic actually, Brexit. Oh, Brexit. <laughs> EU. My mum hates the that EU word. European <laughs> referendum. Yeah, do you know what? I hate the word Brexit. I think it's, it's yeah. I've got a cop- copywriting. It? It's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what effect does it all have? Is it is it just the uncertainty leading up to it? Yeah, I mean, people do you know? Do you know what? I've been listening to all these stats, and I'm thinking. Yeah. Really? You know what's going to happen in 2030 well, 89.3% of stats are just made up on the spot, aren't they? I'll tell you, it's just like, when are we going to realise that there's no way we're going to know what happens? Yeah. We just won't. There's no stat you can produce. It's almost, it's like an ideological thing. Do you want to yeah, be in or out? And yeah. can you see benefits yeah. to the consumer and from a business side of things? Um, so the big problem in property is that most of the market is driven through confidence. So if you kind of take, well, what influences the market? I'd say a good half of it is confidence. Mm -hmm. So I think in the run up, we'll be fine. But I think if that day it says we're coming out, then people will hold off Mm. their decision. Soon as people start holding off a decision just for a month in our market, boy, does it turn. So um, the only other thing I would say is that we we are a lot of areas are still recovering, so I think you will see potentially different areas um, reacting in different ways. So you might see some of the areas that um, have seen four five percent growth, say the East Midlands, that might stop, but you might see London go down. Yeah, because actually it's the central London part, and I don't think that. You, the sort of um, the main, uh, the sort of general public in London should worry. I think it's the multi-million pound properties that are going to get affected. Yeah, I don't think it's the sort of the, the stuff that you and I could afford. <laughs> so, Speak for yourself. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've never invited me to a million pound mansion. Yeah, not quite. Uh, one day, Rodney. One day. Um, so actually, I was uh, given. I'm going to ask everyone this question uh, this year. Uh, what keeps you up at night? What What worries you most? about about what things I, at the moment. What I'm really worried about is that property and housing is becoming a political football. That we saw it with um yeah. the first time I followed that through was the home information packs. Ah, the hip. I know. Yes, remember that. And you know what's really sad is you go to Scotland, you go online, you look at a property, you go and look at the condition report. Yeah. And we messed all of that up. Yeah. We messed it up as an industry. That was a massive mess that was. It was Three or a few years in, we just got it to a stage where it actually worked. Um, and it would have really made a difference to consumers' day, yeah. people's buying and selling's day, uh, made the like process a lot easier, and then it got taken away. And that was such a waste uh, and such a shame. So my real nervousness is that um, the, the government, MPs, local authorities have not quite understood how big the problem is of, of a lack of stock. They still think rent controls might work. They still think 
taxing buy-to-let investors might work. All of that is papering over the cracks. Yeah. We have a massive stock issue, particularly for those on benefits and particularly for mm. those on low incomes. Um, and that is not something the private sector can solve. Mm. So what worries me is that they'll only realise it when there's huge amounts of homelessness, um, huge amounts of overcrowding, um, and that's going to be pretty depressing for everybody. Mm. So that that's my biggest thing is that nobody's quite understood that how big a problem stock mm. is. The problem is they're, they're just so short term. They're, they're just there, this is my term in Parliament, that's it. Until you get, I've banged on about it for ages, until you get a, a cross-party long-term plan and maybe yeah. at least a housing minister who stays in yeah. one position. Or a, for... how, yeah, a housing strategy. Yeah, at the proper moment, housing strategy. They've almost got one of my checklists and gone, that checklist idea of Kate's was quite good. Let's list all the problems in property and then let's tick box them. Yeah. But as we always say with our checklist, that's fine, but you've got to understand the overall ga- game. Yeah. You've got to understand yeah. the overall objective first before you tick any boxes. And that's what I think is missing. So um, this huge lack of stock and this idea that the private rental sector somehow can house vulnerable people at a cost that a private landlord can afford, it, it just can't. No, it doesn't you know, make sense. There are some areas where we could do it. We can do it in Nottingham. We, yeah. can, we can house people there. But who's going to train them? Who's going to make sure that we've got the right landlords in place to look after them? Um, and, you know, but in London, a landlord can't afford to rent at below market value. Yeah. You know, it's just no, not possible, absolutely. you know. Absolutely. And yet we're still selling off loads of council houses. So that that's what really keeps me awake up at night because we should, we should have such a more positive attitude. Mm. Why aren't we just saying, I'm not having a housing crisis. Let's sort it out. Mm. Who do we need? We need money men, girls, landlord men, land, people with land, <laughs> yeah. and we need people that got bricks. Yeah. Let's get them in a room. Let's say we're not having it. How mm. many properties do we need? How are we going to get them built? And they've done that to some extent in London. It's just that the population here is growing so mm. fast. It's actually pretty difficult mm. to keep up with it. Okay. And, and finally then, how do, you, how do you see the market for the rest of this year? Are you, you pretty optimistic generally? Um, I think I am just partly because there is such little stock on the market at the moment. Um, the demand levels is probably back to something like 2004, but um, the stock in the agents is half, mm. pretty much half, if not less, of what it was. So the only way you will bring more stock onto the market is either by new build, bringing on new build, of which that's just not coming fast enough, or by encouraging people to sell trade properties Mm. um but i can't see that happening i mean um so having said that you know over 50 percent of people in this country own the property outright so there is now to me a floor on house prices and there's a lot of people out there that want house prices to crash yeah but actually if half the people never have to sell why would they crash yeah so unless there's some weird policy change that forces them to do it that's a very good point Um, then that's what held the house prices up a lot more than they Mm. should have been over the last eight years, really. Mm. Um, So people just pulled their properties off the market Mm. until things flattened and then started to improve. So um, I think, but I think it will be, it is one of those things whereby there are thousands of property markets out there. We could have a situation if there's, if we're the sort of crash scenario, if you like, but I think it will be limited. So where in places like Nottingham or Birmingham or Leeds or Manchester, Glasgow, you've got properties there that are selling out at half the value they were bought for pre-crash, 
half. Blimey. Well, they're not going to recover for another generation no. unless something amazing happens. Um, and I can't see that in the near future. The result of that is if the interest rate rises, if the reduction in mortgage interest relief, if that affects people so much they are forced to sell, that could force mm. lots of stock onto the market in very small areas and then it's whether people will jump in and buy it or go, no, thanks very yeah. much. So, and then you're into repossession territory. Yeah. That really drives prices down. Yeah. People will always jump in and buy. They'll, they'll speculate. Take well, their, they uh, might. But remember, these ha these flats are now 10 years old. Yeah, true. So they're going to be service charges are coming in, particularly if there's a lift. Yeah. That's going to have broken down at least twice by now. Mm. So there are kind of, you look at it and you think, oh, it, it, that's the only little bit, but I think it will be quite localised. Mm. So you'll always get areas where there's it, you're kind of safe havens, if you like. Yeah. Mm. Just like you get with your FTSE 100s, there's, there's, you have the FTSE 100 equivalents every yeah. area you go. So that's where, you, you know, if you want a safer mm. haven, that's where you put your money. Very good. Well, I've got loads more questions, but we have to. <laughs> we'll have to do a follow up later on, on in the year. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you, Kate. Pleasure. Thanks so, for having me. Good to chat, uh, as always. My guest, Kate Faulkner. You can find the website um, propertychecklist.co.uk. That's it. Um, thank you all for listening. We will be back soon with some more topical chat. And if you've got any comments or requests for topics to cover in future episodes please feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at Corico or through the website www.corico.co.uk. Until next time, this is London Calling. <laughs> <laughs>